Warning, the following podcast contains mature content. Listener discretion is advised. Every person thinks they would never succumb to the addictions that litter this world. None of us realize just how easy it is to fall into the trap of addiction. We assume it would never seduce us, never impact us, never kill us. But we'd be wrong, deadly wrong. The following are the true accounts of just a small percentage of people who struggle with addiction issues. We are honored to share their stories. Welcome. 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 Welcome to Addicted. Well, welcome back to another episode on Addicted. On this episode, I'm excited. I have a personal friend of mine who probably would have ne- never met otherwise, but I'm so thankful that I did. He's somebody I met within the podcast community, but I just somebody that I genuinely call a friend. Welcome to Addicted. Why don't you introduce yourself and a little bit of your backstory? So my name is Harley. I am from New York. Since the age of probably 12, I've been addicted to one thing or another. And I, I would say that the thing that really got me the most is crazy because I, I was shooting up heroin at one point in time. I've done everything. But the thing that really got me was alcohol. In the end, I, I thought I was clean, so I just only drank. And that's really what brought me to my knees where I finally got clean was alcohol. So you say you've been using or that you had been using substances, substances since you were 12. Was there a reason why? Did you have some kind of trauma or something in your life at that point? So. I believe but every addict has childhood drama, you know, any real addict. And growing up, I my father wasn't in the picture. He was in prison for murder. And so I had just my mom and she would have these parties. She drank when I was younger and she has parties. And there was this guy named Ray Dan Ronnie. And I loved this man. And he took advantage of it and he raped me at the age of from the time I was like six till I was eight. For a couple of years, he would come over to these parties, and I, and my mom would be right in the other. It was so weird. I thought everybody knew because it was like right in the next room. He would come into the bedroom, and everybody would be in the next room, and he would rape me. And that that fear filled like never left me. It never left me until I found drugs. Once I found drugs, it was like it was gone. It was really gone. And I and that feeling of like it was. It was weird because I never thought about like I never until I was an adult and like had time to reflect and never really thought that that was why. But it was that pain was like so it was not even just the being molested. It was that my mom. I thought my mom knew. I thought she was letting it happen. And then it happened with a family member. And that I told her about. And the family member was removed from the house. She was living with us and she was removed from the house. And I just assumed that she knew about Ray Dan Ronnie. And it was just, I always felt like I was different than other kids. You know, my stepdad for 15 years or whatever it was, he beat the shit out of me. And it was like, I never connected with people. You know, I was really good at putting on a show or whatever, but I never could connect with people. Like I, I always felt like on the outside and then, but then my brother got put on Adderall or no Ritalin and I'm like, I wonder what these do, not knowing anything that they get you messed up, but just. I just tried it, whatever, when I was like 12. And then I'm like, oh, this is makes me feel like 
like, uh, you know, I could talk to people. I felt like a God. And then it, it just was snowballed from there. So Ritalin was your first exposure to substances? Yeah. Yep. After Ritalin, what did you start using? So I was, I was doing the Ritalin for a, little, a, a couple of years until my brother got taken off of it. And then I went from that to, it's weird, I didn't smoke weed till I was like 18. But I, I went from the Ritalin to, I would get ecstasy. That's what it was. So I went from Ritalin to ecstasy. And I would, I would had to go to drug counseling in high school or like counseling. And I would go mess up. And I'm like, it helps me talk, I thought. You know what I mean? I'm like, it, it will help me talk better. So I would take ecstasy and go to these meetings. And I would be totally out of my mind, you know. And then, like, as soon as I graduated, I got into trouble. I got put on a house arrest. So I couldn't do anything. So that's from there I started doing mushrooms, uh, ecstasy, ketamine a lot, a lot of ketamine. And, like, I never had one favorite drug of choice. It was always, like, one to the next to the next. You know what I mean? It was never like one more than the other. It would be one for a certain amount of time and then something else. But so, so pretty much you were just using anything you could get your hands on. Yes. Yes. 100%. I mean, the ecstasy, once I found that, I would, I was doing as much of that as I could until I just couldn't even get it anymore. That's the only reason I stopped because ecstasy was the, the I like, it really made me happy. You know what I mean? It, it wasn't just being fucked up. It, it like, all the my pain from the past and everything would just be erased for 10 hours, you know, and it was like heaven. And I'm like, I want to live like this. You know, I, I worked a lot. I had the money. It wasn't, it was never a problem. I just stopped being able to find it. And, uh, and I went from there to, I had a kidney problem or I have a kidney disease and it was painful. So they gave me pain medicine and then I got hooked, hooked on pain medicine, bad, like really, really bad. And then I went from that to heroin like everybody does. I mean, and I was shooting heroin. I was, it was disgusting. I would, I'm so lucky that I didn't get anything. Like I did everything they tell you not to do. I used needles a million times. I shot up with other people. Like, I don't know how I never got anything. I like, I really don't know how, because I did everything wrong, everything. And then I I went from, or went, went from that, I got Suboxone to get off of the heroin let me tell you, anybody that's listening, this is just my opinion, but Suboxone is the most addictive drug you will ever take. I've been dope sick, and you're dope sick for only three, four days, and then it's gone. Getting off of subs, I was sick for a month, 30 days. I was sick. They, I can't believe they prescribed that to addicts. It, it's so sad. It took me from, I was on from time I was 19, 20, till almost, in, ju- in June, it'll be two years. So, you know, so. 14 years I was on it and it's so addictive, man. It's so addictive and it makes you, it's like everything, but like it, you're getting it from a doctor, you know, you think it's fine. It's not fine. It's not fine. It makes you think differently. I, it makes you totally have no goals for for me at least. I mean, no goals for the future. You know what I mean? It just, I, it was bad. It was bad. You were on Suboxone. What pain prescription was you, were you, prescribed was it oxycontin no I, I never got oxycontin it was um 7.5 hydrocodones and then i have done oxy but I, I never got a prescription for it you know that's something that kind of goes hand in hand with heroin when you were dope sick from the from the pills is that what turned you on to using heroin yeah that was the only thing i could find so i knew people and that was the only thing i could find i'm like you know i'll try it and then uh, the second i did it, i'm like this is amazing way better than pain pills i was like this is the best and then i was with this girl 
and she she was a recovering addict and told me that shooting it up is way better. And I was scared, and I'm like, no, I, I don't want needles, you know, I don't want to do that. But then, like, it just kept in the back of my head, though, you know, I knew that it would be better. So then I'm like, screw it, I'll try it, you know. So I told her I wanted to try it, and she was, okay. So she helped shoot me up the first time. And then after that, I mean, that was like, I mean, it wasn't as good as ecstasy because it's a different kind of buzz, but it was amazing. I mean, it was amazing. It was like, as soon as you shoot one time, it's like you don't care about all the things that are bad about it because it's so good. It's so good that it's like it, I didn't care that I was using toilet water to fucking shoot up in McDonald's. I didn't care because it was so good. I mean, I, I my arms are even to this day, I have no veins in my arms. And I nurses used to tell me that I should go to the school to help teach people how to shoot up because my veins are so good. Now they're uh, completely gone. I have none. You, I mean, like doctors barely can get them when they're doing it. they got to hit me 10 times just to get a vein because I used them all. How long did you use for just in general? Heroin? I, in general, like your whole... From the time I was 12 until until almost two years ago. So 20, 22 years. 22 years. Were you working during this time? Were you able to hold a job down and all that? That's that's the one thing that saved me my life is that I never missed work as drugs. I always went to work every day. I, and I just, I knew that if I missed it, if I didn't go to work as drugs, I was never going back to work. Never. If I missed a day, I would I would have been on the streets. And I, I've had kids since I was 18. So I, I always had people to support. I, I kind of had responsibility where, you know, that was the one thing I just went to work. You know what I mean? I was not a good person. Don't get me wrong. I was a piece of shit. I mean, I, I, the only thing I could say is that I never stole from people. I always was paid for my own money, but other than that, I was garbage. A piece of shit. All I cared about was getting fucked up. That's all I cared about. Like, I, I cared about that more than my kids. I cared about that more than my wife. I lost a child because of my addiction that I chose to get messed up overseeing her. And, you know, it, it, it ruined every good thing in my life. It, it really did. Well, first of all, I'm sorry for your loss. That's 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 hard for any parent, right? So at what point did you decide you were like, you know what, I need to fucking change this? Like, what was your rock bottom? So people talk about like a rock bottom. You know, I had a lot of rock bottoms. It wasn't one time, you know, I had like I would get clean for like six months or something. And then I'm like, I got to get off these subs. And I was only doing subs. So it was like, I'm like, I'll be able to do it. So I was at work and that we had a machine completely break down. So I gave, and it wasn't, we couldn't get it fixed for three weeks. So we weren't going to be running for three weeks. I'm like, this is my opportunity to quit doing subs. So I stopped. I was so sick, Kevin, I'm telling you, so sick, like dope sick times a million. I'm not even kidding. It was dope sick. Doesn't even touch being sick from subs. It doesn't. And I've been dope sick, trust me, but not, it doesn't touch subs. Like my, if my wife wasn't there to hold my hand, through that month, I would have been right back. I would have done them again. I mean, but I started drinking because I'm, you know, to make me feel better to be able to sleep at first. That's what it was. So I could sleep. And then I literally drank. I never was a drinker. I drank that day. I never stopped drinking until, until like two years ago. Like I, so I, it was probably six years of drinking every day. And then I got progressively worse. And like my best friend, my brother, CJ, who is also a recovering addict, was like, you got to go to rehab. I'm like, I'm not going to rehab. I just started a new job. I'm like, I'm not going to rehab. And then 
I got really drunk one night and I'm like, I'm going to kill myself. I told CJ, I'm going to kill myself. I can't live like this anymore. I can't. And then he's like, he got me to go to the hospital. So I went to the hospital and then I was having such bad DGs. That's withdrawal from alcohol. They had to put me in like a medically induced coma because I was having such bad seizures. I was ripping my IVs out. I was, I, I don't remember any of it. I was, but my wife said she'd come to see me and I would be like, the nurses are poisoning me. Fuck this place and rip my IVs out. And so I just, I went that night and then basically I woke up like six days later. Holy shit. I was like, they're like, we're going to get you into rehab. And my wife took care of it at my work so that I wouldn't lose my job. Like, so I went to rehab and I was in rehab and one of the guys was like really cool dude. And he's like, let me tell you something. I see people come in and out of here all the time. He's like, there's two people in here right now that are going to stay clean. And it's you. And then this other guy that was like a, a freaking millionaire. He was pretty cool, dude. And, uh, and he's like, you two have the chance of staying clean, but not if you don't go to a meeting when you get out. And I'm like, hey, it's a cult. You know, it's a fucking cult. I'm not doing that. But I did. I went to a meeting. CJ talked me into going to a meeting. As soon as I got out of rehab, I got out. Drove home, went to a meeting. I stayed clean for probably uh, two months, so like three months total with being in rehab in the hospital, like three months. Started drinking again. I'm like, I can handle it now. I told myself, I stopped going to meetings. I, I started drinking again. Kept relapsing, kept relapsing, just, but I never stopped trying because I'm like, this AA thing is, and then I relapsed the last time. And I, I remember it like it was yesterday. I really, really do. I was in the bathroom. I was drinking four locos. And they were making my stomach really mess up, but I couldn't stop drinking them. And I'm like in the bathroom and I'm like, oh my God, you're going to die a piece of fucking shit. And you know what people are going to say about you? Your family's going to be like, he's better off. I'm going to die a piece of shit because I went from not drinking to worse than I ever was in like a month span. This shit owns me. It owns me. I went to a meeting that night, like half drunk, went to a meeting. I met my sponsor that I still have this day. I started working the steps. I freaking, I just, I'm like, I'm so desperate. Like, you need to be desperate. I'm so desperate. I'm like, I don't care if it's a cult. I don't, I just need this. These people care about me. And I kept going to meetings. I did 90 meetings in 90 days. And this guy saved my life, man, Jason. He saved my life. Like, you're not supposed to say this. The people in the rooms and the AA, whatever, I'll never drink again. Like, you know, the grass is green and the sky is blue. I know I'll never drink again. I had a spiritual, and I don't, I'm not into that shit. I had a spiritual experience doing the steps with another person, reading the big book with another person gave me a spiritual experience. And I lost the desire at all to want to drink. If my whole family died in a fire, I wouldn't drink. I wouldn't drink. There's nothing that would make me want to drink because it owns me. It fucking owns me. There's never, I'll never have one drop because it'll lead to, a million beers and me sick every time. And like, I, I went through, I don't know what, I, I don't even know how to explain it. If you've never gone through it, you know, like, like I, when I was really depressed in my twenties and I killed myself, I fucking, I was moving people and somebody had a big bottle of tramadol. I took like half the bottle, just whatever I could get down, you know? And then I, I went to sleep. My daughter was in the next room. I go to sleep. I'm like, I just want to die. I'm not going to ever be a good person. I just want to die. I fucking, I, they, my daughter found me blue. They brought me to the hospital. I flatlined. They told my mom I wasn't going to make it. I somehow did. I came to, I couldn't talk. 
I had, I can't think of the name, dysphagia, where I thought I was talking. Like, I just like I am with you right now, but nothing, like, it was just mumble jumbo. Like, the words that I thought I was saying was not the words I was saying. Like, that was it. I was in a coma for, or not a coma, but, you know, I was out of it for in the hospital for six days. I, they kept me in the hospital until I learned to talk again. Like, that's, and I, as soon as I got out, I went and used. As soon as I got home, I knew that I had the rest of that bottle and I took some. I, I just did not care. And then, like, two weeks later, I overdosed again. Fucking, that time it was an accident. The second time it was an accident, but I overdosed again. And then I didn't do anything. Like, it's so weird how, like, dying didn't make me want to get clean, nothing. It just, I was so pissed that they that they got me. They got to me when they did. I, I just didn't want to live. And, like, to look at my beautiful little daughter and to know that I'm being, like, a, a, shit, a bad parent was eating me alive, you know. And I, I didn't see any way out. I didn't see any way out. And I'm sure that made you use even more, right? Yeah, it did. And AA or NA, if that's what you need for me, I'm just going to say this, give it a chance. I seen, I, I'm the worst of the worst kind of addict. There's nothing I haven't done, you know? And with AA, I found a place where you could relapse 10 times in a row. Those people love you and call you and it's a family. You know what I mean? I've met some of the most amazing people and I thought it was a cult to begin with, but it's not. It's it's people that are very smart, smarter than me, and we're addicts. They took a lot of time creating AA. They didn't make it in a day, you know. They created those steps in a very certain way. They're not the original ten steps, you know what I mean? The twelve steps, you know what I mean? It's they had other ones, and then this didn't work. So like, I mean, these ones, you know what I mean? They made all the mistakes already, and it saved my life, my marriage. My daughter talks to me again that I didn't talk to for six years, probably. She talks to me. I, I see her all the time. She tells me she's proud of me. Like I have a, my wife and I were going to get divorced and 100%, you know, she, it was horrible. Like I was not physically abusive to her, but mentally abusive, 100%. And, you know, breaking her down as a person. And now our marriage is stronger than ever. My life is, I'm going back to school. Being clean means more to me than anything. Harley, I don't know if, I'm sure there's a lot of people around you that have told you, but I'm so fucking proud of you, dude. Thank you, Kevin. That means a lot, man. It really means a lot. That is fucking amazing. And I know that you're, you've been to the depths of hell, man, and, and you're still here. Like, I'm just, it's impressive. And I'm fucking proud of you, man. Like, you have literally been to hell and back, and, and, and you're still here, and, and you're still fighting. And, and that's just, I'm, I'm really fucking proud of you, man. That means a lot, Kevin. You know, and I got to say, like, when I'm doing my day or whatever, I'm at work or something, I get a text from you, like, nobody, you're the only person that texts me. Are you okay? Like, that means the world to me, Kevin. That, I, I tell my wife all the time, like, this motherfucker, I wish he lived in New York because I know I'd see him all the time. Like, you're such a good person. Like, you have such a big heart. And, like, I'm so glad that I met you, you know? Like, I just can't believe, I could not believe it. The first time you text me, I'm like, oh, my God, this guy, you know, like, that meant so much to me. It meant so much to me. I just told my wife that, I don't know, maybe a couple weeks ago. I'm like, man, I wish he lived in New York. You know, you're just a good dude. Like, you are a genuinely good person. Well, I appreciate that. And and we would. If I lived where you were at, we would hang out all the time. I know we would. And that's something that, you know, we I'll share my story eventually on here. But, you know, we we both kind of struggle with that mental health aspect where we get super, super depressed and we feel super alone. And, and it's one of those things that I just don't want you to ever feel like you're alone because you're not. There's always at minimum one person out there who gives a fuck about you. And so... Speaking on that, do you think you used a lot because of your mental, like 
I know you have struggled with mental health. Do you think that contributed to it? 100%. 100%. Like, I, that's the only way I could find happiness, you know? And the thing was, I did it to myself because I've been on, I've been institutionalized several times and I would get good doctors that cared about me, but I would be doing drugs and taking the medicine. So the medicine, you could be on the perfect medicine, the perfect dose. It's not going to matter if you're taking drugs. You know what I mean? It does. It doesn't work. So, like, my depression is is been a like a you know the bane of my existence. Basically, being bipolar, it's hard when you know you have so much to be grateful for, and yet you just are so pissed that you woke up. It's so hard and to cope with that. Yeah, I would use drugs and drink because then I didn't feel that way. You know, and for a long time I didn't care if it was unhealthy to do drugs. I just didn't want to feel like that anymore. Have you since gotten your health under control? Yeah, I finally got, so I got a really good doctor right now. And um, I got on like a lithium, which is like a really good for bipolar. It's like a, a mood stabilizer. And it's really helped me. Like I woke up today feeling great. You know, I freaking, I just did normal things, you know, like I, I spent so much time just getting messed up and watching TV or just being very selfish, being very selfish. And I'm doing for others now. I'm being a dad, you know, and it's like, I couldn't do that if I was on the right medicine because I literally, it's like if both your arms and legs are broken, what are you going to do? It's like, that's my brain is completely incapacitating me. You know, I want to be good so bad, but I'm just not, you know, it's like, it's painful. And then that makes it worse. Has that self picture of yourself changed over the last couple of years since you've been sober? Well, I'd say that like I, I, I'm hard, I might be hard on myself, but I would say that I'm definitely a better dad. I'm definitely a better husband. I'm I'm kind of feeling like you could be grateful, but not actually feel grateful. You know what I mean? Like I, I intellectually, I know that my kids are healthy. I have a house. I have a job. I have food. But then at the same time, be miserable. But since I've been sober and gotten my medicine straightened out, I've had actual joy, like actual God's honest happiness. You know, and that's a good feeling to be when you count on drugs and alcohol for that feeling for 20 over 20 years to have that in the morning, clean as a whistle. I can't even say how grateful that makes me, man. I, I It's like, oh, it's like makes me believe that there's a God or something like it just it's spiritual. Like I wanted that my whole fucking life, man. I just couldn't outrun the past. I couldn't I couldn't get away from it. It owned me like just as much as substances. That pain of like it just owned me. And my childhood just being completely fucking ripped away from me from the age of six to the age of 15. I was abused in one way or another. And that stuck with me. And it made me feel like I was such fucking garbage. Like that only happens to garbage. You know, like that's how I felt like. How did I let this happen? And now I wake up and I'm happy. Like, and maybe not perfect, you know what I mean? But real happiness. I look at my kids at their practice or something. I'm really happy. Without drugs or without alcohol, have happiness and joy. It's priceless for an addict. It is priceless. Something I never thought I even deserved. And I have it. Right. That's awesome, man. I'm so happy to hear that for you. Uh during your your 20 years of using what was your support system like did you have a support system or were did people kind of bail on you so i was like i was an addict and i used i never really like i never stole from people or like like i like i would lie maybe but like i kind of like never really my friends that i had i had i didn't lose any friends like i i i lost family you know my daughter i don't i don't know if i when i say i lost her she didn't die i just 
lost custody of her like I, and she won't talk to me so i, I just want my dick clear like my mom is is a joke you know what i mean she my dad you know he's a freaking murderer in prison i i didn't have parents like i didn't but i had my wife once i met my wife and that was 12 years ago um, you know, 13 years ago she showed me love in a way that her and her family showed me love this like eating dinner together like what the fuck i couldn't fucking believe it like like you know what i mean not like not putting each other down like loving each other like that time that I had with her mom and dad, the best time in my entire life. It was like they were my mom and dad. Like they treated me like family. And it's like it showed me like that's what I want for my family. You know, it was like a good picture of what I want for my family. And they supported me and they knew I was an addict. I didn't lie to them. I told them the truth and they, they still love me. And right to the day they died, they love me. And Jesse's dad, I might have only known him for a couple of years, but he was a father to me. Like he, the day he died. He told me he couldn't get his pants. I needed help. He was sick. I got him dressed and he just hugged me and told me that, um, that I was a son to him and that he loved me. And he was not that type. You know what I mean? He was like a gruff biker. He was in a motorcycle club. He was not like that. And he just, it's like, he knew he was going to die and he wanted to give me that present before he died. It was, it, it means a lot, you know? And my wife has always been by my side. She's taken me to the hospital. She's helped me when I overdosed. She, there's not not one bad thing I didn't put her through, and she stuck by me and really loves me, man. Like, my mom, not, she's so selfish. She can't love anybody but herself. You know, I never had that, and for to have her love me no matter what, it's like, it's really, I tell her every day, I never would be where I am now if it wasn't for your love. Never. That might sound corny, but it's the God's honest truth. Have you forgiven yourself for the pain that you've put her through? No, that, that's going to take some time. I think... I, you know, like she tells me that now that I'm clean, that's like the, that, that is making up for it, that you got clean, you know what I mean? And that, that makes up, but it doesn't make up for it. Not in my mind, like 12 years or 10 years of abuse is a lot, a lot, you know, it's a lot. And I don't think that maybe I deserve yet to forgive myself because it's only been a couple of years, you know, and I put her through a lot of shit, you know, like a lot of shit and I held her back. You know, she would be in a very different spot in her life if she had met me. I mean, she wouldn't have our kids, but she would be a different, you know, and she's sick now. And I think maybe like she's only getting sicker and I'm going to have to take care of her one day. I think then I'll forgive myself. You know, when I do something like that for her, I think that I can forgive myself because it's like she took care of me when, you know, I had really nobody. She took care of me and, She's the single greatest thing that's ever happened to me. And that's really the truth. That is really the truth. Because I definitely didn't deserve the love that she gave me. Not the shit that I would do to her and say to her is unforgivable. Harley, I know I know it's probably a source of pain for you, man. But at the same time, like you can't let it eat you alive, you know, because you know where it's going to make you or where, it's, where it could potentially take you. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah, that's true. That is true. And like, I, I, I'm trying, you know what I mean? I really am trying, but I just... Every day, I want to be a little better, you know. I want to, I want to make up for all that, all that shit, you know. Be a good dad. I want to make up for it, but it's like you can't make up for ten years in one day, you know, or even a year. Like I don't know how much time it takes. I don't know, but I'm hoping one day I'll wake up and be like, okay, you know, you don't have to hate yourself anymore. I don't know when that day's gonna come, but if I keep trying, I just think like if I keep trying to be better, one day I will. I mean, I have to, right? You have to, and you will. And I, I have no doubt in my mind that you're going to that you're going to forgive yourself. It's just a matter of, you know, you having to look deep and say, you know what, like, 
I'm not that person anymore and this is where I'm going and I love myself. You know what I mean? So what kind of tools are you utilizing to stay sober? Do you still go to meetings? Or are you still involved in that kind of stuff? Yeah. So I go to meetings. I have meetings like close and far. And I, the thing that for me, I would say is if you want to stay clean, stay in touch with the people that are clean. You know what I mean? Like if you meet somebody in a meeting, you click with them, get their number, talk to them every goddamn day. Because I, I literally, I would relapse and relapse. I go at my home meeting, my home group. So that's in Hamilton. Okay. These people in this meeting, I, that was the first meeting I went to. I'm, I walked in, I'm like, Oh my God, these fucking clowns. Oh my God. There's no way I ever going to connect with these dumb fucks. Like the stuff they say is so corny, but I kept going and then, you know what? I'd relapse and then I'd go back every time they welcome me back with a hug every time. And they freaking are good people. You know, I, I, once I gave them a chance, they're good people. And there's my support system. You know, my wife and the people I met in the meetings, like I couldn't do it without them because somebody, I might call them, have a bad day. I call them, they say something. It's like always the perfect thing somehow. You know what I mean? It's like, that's what makes you, me relapse is stop going to meetings, stop talking to people, you know, because if you keep it a secret, if you're feeling something, then you're going to drink or you're going to use, you know, I'm going to use, I should say. I mean, AA, NA, whatever, saved my goddamn life. 100%. My wife, I used to come home. I used to go and read. I drove an hour every time to go to my sponsor's house and read with him. And I just come back just crying on the way home. It's so emotional. Like it meant the world to me. And, and I like just after like the third time I just were reading and I just it clicked in my head. I'm like, this is what they mean by you will have a spiritual experience and the obsession will be lifted. And it was, and I, it really was, dude. It really was. Your need for alcohol is gone. Do you still get cravings for drugs? Oh yeah. All the time. All the, all the time. Yeah. Oh yeah. How, what do you do to stay away from those? I, same thing. I go to the meeting. I talk about, it. I don't, you know, I go to AA, but I talk about drugs. I don't care if they don't like it, you know, but I go to AA. It's like, I don't do it at the first time I go to an AA meeting, but you know what I mean? It's like, this is 2022. Everybody has two problems. Nobody's just one thing. You know what I mean? So they don't like it. Then don't listen to it. But I talk about it and I'm very honest. That's the thing. Like I was lying so much being an addict to everybody. Everybody, my wife knew, always knew what I was doing, but I would always lie to her. You know what I mean? I would lie about everything, but now I don't. I, I just, if I feel something, I have to get it out. I have to say something because I can save my fucking life, you know? So I really, I, I tell anybody, anybody that wants to quit, go to AA. Go to, if you're desperate, go to AA. If you don't want to die, go to AA or NA. If you're a drug addict, go to NA. I prefer AA the way they run them, but... NA, I've gone to a million NA meetings too. You know what I mean? It just can save your life. If it could work for me, it could work for anybody. I really believe that. If you are the worst of the worst, the worst of the worst, drug addict, the worst of the worst, alcoholic, AA will save your life. 100%. I really believe that. Because I, I never anybody? Not yet. Not yet. Usually, like, you want to have two years, two years clean. So, I, I mean, I definitely would. If somebody asked me, I would. Like, I got to start going to like different meetings because the meetings I go to, it's like a lot of people that have been clean 20 years, like that kind of thing. Not a lot of newcomers to sponsor, but Jason, my sponsor tells me, you got to go to the meeting that I met him. It's in Utica. It's like a scummy city near me. And cause it's like people that are, it's their first day clean, you know, go to that meeting. It's that type of meeting. And I'd love to sponsor somebody like to help. It's like a gift. You have this gift, you know, 
and you keep it to yourself, it's really selfish. If you never give that gift to anybody else, it's really selfish. I had zero chance of being a good person if I kept using it. Or I definitely, I mean, it would have killed me. I would have committed suicide. I mean, I 100% would have committed suicide. There's not even a doubt in my mind if I didn't get clean because I hated myself so much. I didn't want... I didn't want to fucking breathe, you know. I it's it's hard for twenty years to let down people you love. It's really I did it myself. I'm not I'm not a victim, you know what I mean? I'm just saying it it wore me the fuck out because I was a piece of shit, but my conscience is strong and it fucking ate me alive. It ate me alive, dude. And towards the end I couldn't even enjoy being drunk. I couldn't enjoy doing drugs because I felt so guilty, you know. It's like which is probably a good thing, you know. Well, I mean, I guess that kind of is a good segue into the next question. What was your biggest regret for while you were using for the 20 plus years, you would say? My daughter. I was, okay, so I was with the mother. I was there when she was born. I'm not, I'm telling you, dude, people say that. The most beautiful baby I've ever seen. And I have four kids. She's the most beautiful baby I've ever seen. Her and I were like this. We were tight. We were so tight. I, you know, I was with her every day for the first two years when, when I was with the mother and then we broke up, she cheated on me. So we, I just, I left her, but I got her every weekend, every weekend, and, you know, and I went to all her school dances, anything. I was like being a dad. And then I started, what was it? I started, so this is when I went down, started going downhill with the pills. So I was like, just a little, like, you know, she's a couple of years old, I'm like, uh, you know, a little bit. And then I got really into pills and then the heroin. And it's hard to go to your baby mamas on heroin and not look like you're on heroin. So I just wouldn't go. And then they gave me a million chances to be in my daughter's life. Okay. I did this. They gave me every chance. And I'm like, I just want to get fucked up. And I don't even, I don't you know, I just want to get fucked up. So I lost custody and then I lost parenthood. She was adopted by another man. That was the hardest day of my life when that judge tell, tells me you are no longer her father. And I just fucking broke down. And if I could take that back, I would I would do anything to take that back. That she would just calling me. Why why don't you come see me? Why don't you you know? And I just I didn't have a good answer. I, I didn't want to tell them I was getting fucked up, you know. And I chose drugs over my daughter and I paid the ultimate price. I really did. And now she hates me. I've reached out to her recently and she fucking hates me. So she changed her last name. She just doesn't tell people that I'm her dad. You know, she it's kind of erased you from her life. The big, Yes. And, and deservedly so, you know, it's just the worst mistake I've ever made in my entire life because now that I, my mind is clear, I'm like, how would I do that? Like, I, I live with my kids, you know, I had not, with my wife, we have children. I would cut off my leg before I would not see my kids. I literally, I literally, there's nobody and nothing that would keep me from my kids. You know what I mean? And to have that, but on the other hand, knowing I have a kid out there that I, I was so close with that I chose drugs over her, she'd call me every fucking day. Why? Well, come see me. Come pick me up. Daddy, please. And I, I just, I'd be like, okay, I will tomorrow. And tomorrow never came, man. Tomorrow never came. And it's the biggest regret in my life. It's the worst pain I've ever felt is knowing that something's so pure and I ruined it. So what is some advice you could give to another addict who might be on the fence about getting clean? Like what's something you could tell them to just try to help them push them over that edge? So this might not be, you might not agree with this, Kevin, but this is just, I'm just yes, my opinion. This is my opinion. I tell people this in meetings. Do you want to get clean? Are you desperate enough? Are you? Are you desperate enough? to do whatever it takes 
to save your life. If you're not, keep using. Just keep using. You know what I mean? Go out. I tell people in AA, then go and drink. Because if you're not desperate enough, then you're not desperate enough. It's never going to happen. Then You know what I mean? Not now. I mean, not never, but it's not going to happen. Like, I needed that last relapse to get clean. Because sometimes a relapse is a good thing. It teaches you something. So I was talking to somebody I didn't know. If you are addicted to drugs or alcohol, and it's only going to get worse. You will never get it under control. Never. Nobody does. Not Never a person has ever. There's no 80-year-old 80, 80 crackheads. You know why? They're dead. You know what I mean? That will be you. If there's anything you love in this world, if you can't love yourself enough, do it for them. Go to a meeting. Go to a meeting. You will not regret it. Because you know what AA does is, or NA, it ruins drinking and it, you won't have fun anymore, trust me. After you go to a meeting, it won't be fun anymore. And that's a good thing. There's people out there that you are complete strangers to you that will love you and care about you. Because right now, you probably don't love yourself. But there are people that will love you and care about you until you care about yourself. And that's how you get clean. Get a sponsor. The first meeting you go to, find a sponsor. A good guy you connect with or a good girl. Get a sponsor. Do the steps. Read the book with somebody. It will save your life. I. Could not tell you how addicted I still am to drugs and alcohol, but I am clean because of AA. And I was the last person that would say that. I used to talk a lot of shit about AA. And, but there are human beings that are clean that will care about you getting clean. Just go and talk to one. It will save your life. That's what I would say. Barley, your story is one of pain and, and I, I hate to say it, but suffering. But I am so thankful, first of all, that I met you. And I'm very extremely glad that you're in my life. But I am so fucking proud of you for being clean for almost two years, man. That is fucking awesome. Thank you, man. And Thank you. If you ever need to pick me up, you definitely know how to get a hold of me. But before we get out of here, why don't you go ahead and plug your podcast? I definitely want to give you that platform as well. Thank you, man. I appreciate that. Yeah, go ahead, man. So it is Murderer Incorporated, and as a true crime podcast, I do it with my friend Buddy. We are releasing episodes again. Our newest episode came out last week, and I write a story, and then I read it to my friend who is not into true crime, so he never knows the story, so that's what I like about it. He never knows the story. He doesn't even know who Ted Bundy is. He's freaking shot. (laughs) And, you know, we just shoot the shit and read the story, but it's... Not much, not much bickering back and forth. It's basically just a story, you know. Right. Where can they find you at? Anywhere, um, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, anywhere podcasts are found. YouTube, we do YouTube videos. Just search Murder Incorporated. Harley, again, thanks for coming on. Thanks for sharing your story, man. I, I you choked me up a, a couple of times, man, and it, it's raw. It's 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 emotional, and I can feel your pain, but I also can feel your happiness. You're a very genuine person, and I don't want you to ever feel like you have to hide who you are anymore and mask that whether it be hell even with just food sugar right coffee there's so many different substances that people don't realize that they can use as a crutch you know what i mean but you sir are an inspiration and i'm just i'm so fucking proud of you man two years when is your two when's your birthday june 21st is my it'll be two years my birthday's in july yeah. Right. I mean, your your anniversary, right? Yeah. People June they, 21st. they call it your sober birthday or whatever. Yeah. But no, man. Well, thanks again, Harley. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for sharing your story. Definitely go check out Murder Incorporated. And I hope you have a good day, man. Hey, thank you for having me, Kevin. I really do appreciate you, dude. You are a good man and a good friend. We leave you now with this episode of Addicted. 
Just remember that there are many people out there struggling with addiction issues, and for every one person who finds sobriety, there are millions out there who haven't overcome this demon known as addiction. Thank you for listening to Addicted.